Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll read a couple of verses this morning as we continue in our series, Words from God's Word. 2 Timothy 3, when you find your place, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. And let's back up a little bit. I include a couple more verses. Uh, starting at verse 14, we'll do that and come down through verse 17. So let's pray together and we'll begin right there in 2 Timothy 3. Father, how we love you today, how we thank you so much for the precious privilege to gather together as a church family with Christian friends, Lord, and to be able to sing the great hymns of the faith, to be reminded of your faithfulness and your blessing, your goodness to us the sweet time that we can have in prayer, and the ways in which you provide for us, Lord, and care for us as your children. Lord, we certainly thank you for those things, as well as the sweet fellowship we enjoy and uh, the wonderful time that we always have gathering together, uh, Lord, around your word. Uh, Lord, just, just enjoying the fellowship and the comfort and uh, the moving of the sweet Holy Spirit. Father, we ask now that you'd bless our time in your word, bless the reading of Scripture today to our hearts. We pray, dear Holy Spirit, that you'll do that personal work in each of us that you long to do. Lord, help us this few moments to remove distractions, to quiet our hearts, and just to pay close attention to what you have for us. And we pray, Lord, that you'll uh, lead us and guide us according to your word. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Verse 14 the Bible says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Our word for today is found in verse 16, where it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. And today I want to preach on that thought this morning, that word, the word doctrine. Thank you so much. You may be seated. We're just taking a Bible word as we go through this series. And looking at the meaning of that, today's word is the word doctrine. And we see here that Paul, writing to Timothy, says that the Scriptures are profitable for doctrine. In the Word of God, we find that, that the Word of God is profitable for doctrine. The word doctrine actually means teaching. We get our doctrine from the Bible. Bible doctrine equals Bible teachings. So what does the Bible teach? Some have said that doctrine divides. But in reality, doctrine defines. The division occurs with those who will not adhere to sound Bible teaching. This is why churches have what we call a doctrinal statement. It's a segment usually found in their church constitution. Our church is no different. We have one. And it defines or it states, it lays out 
for clarity what the Bible teaches on certain topics. We have a doctrinal statement. That statement provides clarity in order to establish unity around what the Bible teaches in those stated areas. Now, when we're thinking about a doctrinal statement, you'll find that there will be inclusions of doctrines from the Bible on such topics as the deity of Christ, what we believe about Jesus Christ being God in human form as He came to earth to die for us. The way of salvation is another topic that you'll see. The fallen nature of man dealing with sin and the importance of forgiveness. And then baptism, how it's done and what it means. Also, you'll find there the path to membership. And these are just a sampling of the many topics you'll find in a church doctrinal statement. And it's important to consider that. Reading a church's doctrinal statement will tell you what they believe about the Bible. It'll tell you what they teach. It'll tell you which direction they're headed in some of these areas. It's an important read. We know, having considered those topics, that there's a lot of things you could state in a doctrinal statement. And we know that some are of major importance and then some may be of minor importance. In other words, there may be room for disagreement on some of, those, some of those topics. But there are some topics that we can't disagree on. There are some topics that if we're going to fellowship and work together, we have to agree on, on the, the cornerstone doctrines of the Bible. We call them often the fundamentals of the faith. And what are they? If you're taking notes, you may want to write these down. The fundamental doctrines of the faith are, number one, the virgin birth of Christ. The fact that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin is important because it teaches us that He was born without the sin nature that you and I inherited at birth. Had He experienced a normal birth and not a virgin birth, then He could not have been the Savior of the world. He would have been tainted Himself by sin. And so this doctrine is of major importance, the virgin birth of Christ. Number two, the vicarious death of Christ. We say vicarious, that word means that He died in our place. The substitutionary death is the way it's often stated. I use the V's because it's a little easier to remember them all if you, if you uh, use alliteration with these. So the vicarious death of Christ. Christ died for our sins, not His own. He died in our place. He died to take our punishment upon Himself. That's what the Bible teaches. Number three, the victorious, and we could insert in parentheses right, right there, bodily, the, the victorious bodily resurrection of Jesus. Now, we're, we're being specific on that because some would teach that Jesus rose in spirit. Well, that just doesn't agree with Bible doctrine and Bible teaching. The Bible teaches that He literally, physically arose from the dead. That was a bodily resurrection. He got up from the grave and walked out of there. All right, so that's different than rising in spirit. And uh, we want to be clear about what the Bible teaches. Number four, the visible return of Jesus. His bodily return. Again, he's physically coming back to this earth one day. The second coming of Christ is real. And then number five, the verbal inspiration of the Scriptures. 
We believe that, that this book that we hold in our lab today is the Word of God. It was, it was given, it was verbally inspired, and what we mean by verbally inspired is we believe that God gave us the words, not just the thoughts or the concepts, but that God gave us specifically the words of Scripture. Jesus said in John chapter 6, the words that I give unto you, they are spirit and they are life. He didn't say the concepts that I give you. The Bible's very clear that God gave us His Word. And this is what we have recorded in the Scriptures for us today. It's important that you believe that the Bible is verbally inspired of God because without that doctrine, how could we, how could we believe that this is, in fact, the Word of God? It leaves a lot to be desired if you take away from that doctrine. But having understood that this is the Word of God, we now have an authority on which to base our faith and our practice. So then what does 2 Timothy say then about the Scriptures? If the Scriptures are the words, the very words of God, then what is Paul writing to Timothy about? What does he say about the Scriptures? What is he talking about uh, in this passage? Well, here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we learn that the Scriptures have five works in us. There's five things that the Scriptures will do in your life as you encounter the Word of God. Now, this is just really good stuff here. This is practical, everyday kind of knowledge that you want to write down if you're taking notes. The five works of Scripture are, number one, it's found in verse 15, salvation. The Word of God does the work of salvation in our, in our hearts. Now, I'm not saying the Bible saves us, the Lord saves us through the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, but that is used in conjunction with the Word of God. It's the Word of God that, that confirms to us our sinful nature and our need for, for salvation, and the Holy Spirit working in conjunction with that. Through that means God saves us. Look at verse 15. Paul writes to young Timothy, and he said this, "...and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures." Watch this which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So in other words, without this book right here, you and I would not know how to be saved. We might long to be saved. We might have a desire to go to heaven. We, we might want to be with God one day, but we wouldn't know how. And you know, that's, I find sadly that's the case of most people. When you ask them about their faith, if you died today, are you, are you sure you would go to heaven? Most people give you a hope-so kind of an answer. Well, I'm trying to be good. Well, I hope I would. Well, I'm praying. I, I'd like to. And all that is wonderful. But because we have the Bible, we can know that we have salvation. Amen? Can I get an amen right there? Aren't you glad about that? We can know we have salvation. And that's what Paul's talking about here that the Scriptures make us wise to salvation. It's one of the works of Scripture in our life. But we find there are others. The Bible says in verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. I like that he said all Scripture. All Scripture is inspired of God and all Scripture is what? Profitable. So don't listen to people who tell you to set part of it aside. Oh, we don't need the Old Testament today, for example. Or, or they might say, well, you know, 
we don't need these verses. So, sometimes they, they try to act smarter than God and say, well, those verses weren't in the original manuscripts. Then I have to ask, which original manuscripts are you talking about? There's two different sets. There's two schools of thought on that. And if you go to the wrong source, you're going to get the wrong answer. So we find that doctrine is important. And in verse 16, it's profitable for doctrine, for teaching. In other words, there's a right way to understand the Bible, and there are things that we should know. And without good, sound Bible doctrine, you're not going to know those things. And you're not going to be taught correctly. I don't know about you, but look, I don't want to miss heaven because somebody taught me wrong and go through life with a hope-so salvation when you can have a no-so salvation. Those are two worlds apart. And it's so important that we get it right. Notice what he said in verse 16. He talks about doctrine, but go back, if you would, to verse 10. Paul and Timothy are not new acquaintances to one another. Timothy traveled with Paul uh, all over, and he spent a lot of time with him. And in verse 10, look what Paul said to Timothy. He said, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. I think he, it's pretty interesting that he puts that number one on the list. Uh, of all the things you know about me, Timothy, having spent so much time, number one, what do you know so thoroughly about me? Number one, my doctrine, what I've, what I've been teaching and preaching about the Bible. Hey, that's good. You know, as Bible believers, we should be known for doctrine. We should be known for, for, for knowledge of the Bible and, and understanding of that. Now look, it's great, it's great to participate in other things, sports, hunting, uh, NASCAR, fishing, golf, whatever. Yeah, it's great to have hobbies. But you know, I like, it, I like it when someone is more known for their relationship with God than they are for those other things. Isn't that powerful? So Paul said, you, you know my doctrine. Then he said, my manner of life. Now it's pretty interesting to put those two together because right quick in a hurry, you can tell whether somebody's really serious or not about the Lord when you put those side by side. Does your doctrine and your manner of life, do they line up together? Do they agree? Because you know what I'm talking about. You know how there's a lot of people where, you know, what they say and what they do, they're just not going in the same direction. Never the twain shall meet, right? And we find that Paul, he didn't hesitate at all at putting those two right side by side. You've fully known my doctrine, my manner of life. He goes right on with that. Because Paul lived what he learned. And as Bible believers, you and I should aspire to do the same thing. Let's live what we learn from the Bible so that our manner of life lines up with the doctrine that we know to be true from God's Word. Then in verse 16, we find that the Bible's good for something else. It's good for reproof. It's good for doctrine, for reproof. Now, doctrine, what is that? That's the teaching of the Bible. Doctrine tells us what is right. But reproof tells us what is not right. Because when you get into error, when you get into wrong, you get reproved. <laughs> right? Reproof tells us what is not right. In verse 16, he goes on to say that the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and then for correction. What is that? Correction is how to get right. 
And then he says, it's also good for instruction in righteousness. What is instruction? Instruction is how to stay right. So here we have the five works of Scripture. Salvation, doctrine, what is right. Reproof, what is not right. Correction, how to get right. And instruction in righteousness, how to stay right. And so look at what all God's Word gives to Why would you want to subtract anything away from that? No wonder verse 17 says we're complete in Christ, thoroughly furnished unto good works, because of the Word of God. Listen, all of this just underscores to us how important Bible doctrine really is. It's important that we come to the, to the Bible and understand what it says to us. This is God's message to the world. Let's not go to the Bible with a preconceived idea and try to find verses that line up with our ideas. We want the doctrine that we, that we embrace to be God's, not ours. By the way, isn't that what Jesus said? He, he said, my doctrine is not mine, but His that sent me. And you know, you and I as Bible believers, as followers of Christ, we need to be able to say the same thing. This doctrine that I'm, that I'm teaching and preaching and speaking and living, it's not mine, but it's His. You, you always know you're getting into false doctrine when somebody's revealing things that no one else has ever taught before. No one else ever seen this. You mean in 2,000 years of Christianity, you're going you're to give me a brand new doctrine that no one's ever seen before? Come on. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, right? And, and so we know better. But now that we understand these things, what does the Bible actually say about doctrine? And, and what do you and I, what is our role? What do we do with it? Of course we want to understand the teachings of the Bible, but how do we use doctrine in real everyday life? And that's really the, the avenue I want to answer, the, the question I want to answer, and the avenue I want to take in this message. So let's think about it from that vantage point. I think, first of all, we, we want to see 1 Timothy. So if you want to turn back there, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, tells us that first we should... We, we are to give attendance to doctrine. That's what the Bible says. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13 says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Now, this is a good verse for people that don't believe in Sunday school. This is a good verse for people that say, the, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us to read the Bible. Well, that's not what it says right here. He said, Give attendance to reading. God's telling us to read His Word. Show up for that. Participate in that. Read God's Word. Uh, then it says to exhortation, right? And to doctrine. Exhortation, we would say that refers to the preaching of God's Word. All right? And then doctrine would be the teaching of God's Word, which would be something like Sunday school or Bible study or Wednesday night. And so God's telling us here that, that you and I have a responsibility to Bible doctrine. We are to give attendance to it. We're to show up for that. We're, we should study the Bible and know what it says. Isaiah 28, 9 and 10 says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept. 
precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. So that's the best way to learn your Bible. A little here and a little there. You're not going to learn it all at one time. You're not going to learn everything in the Bible the first year you get saved. You're not going to learn everything the first time you read it all the way through. You're going to learn some things on that trip, and on the next trip, you're going to learn some other things. And you're constantly going to be coming back to the Word of God, and you're going to be finding new things, and you're going to be finding things that you say, I didn't see that before. I I never quite understood it like that. And the reason for that is because there is a wealth of knowledge to be discovered here in the Word of God, and you can't take it in all at one time. And so we come back again and again and again. I find it interesting, though, in Isaiah, he says, who should we teach doctrine to? Well, the answer is those that are weaned. In other words, not babies. And isn't that interesting that what we want to do is take someone who just found faith in Christ, and the first thing we want to do is teach them doctrine. I'm not saying that that, that we shouldn't teach them doctrine. I'm just saying we need to pace it a little bit. Right? 2 Peter 1 says, add to your faith. He didn't say doctrine. The first thing we're to add is virtue. And so we need to think about God's order of things. Again, that comes from Bible doctrine. That comes from Bible teaching, learning the way God wants things to be done. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 15. We read it a moment ago. Paul said to Timothy, "...and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures." which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ. Now, how is it that Timothy got saved at an early age and that he understood that salvation was through faith? I'm going to tell you how he understood that. Because he attended Bible teaching. He listened to the teachings of Scripture. And that's what Paul was pointing out. Hey, from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. In other words, he's implying that for a long period of time, Timothy has been under the teaching, the sound teaching of the Word of God. And from that, he has gained the knowledge and the understanding of how to be saved at a young age. You know, people ask me, well, how young can a child get saved? What's the age of accountability and all of that? You know, when you hear that expression the age of accountability. So often, people want to put a number to that. Is it 12? Is it 14? Is it 10? Or maybe 8? No. The problem with that whole idea is that you think there's a magic number. The answer is, the age of accountability is an age of awareness. It's not a number. It's not a numerical year. And so if you put somebody under the sound teaching of the Word of God, that awareness can happen sooner, way younger. And so I've heard of people being saved at four and five years old. And I mean, they're unshakable. They know they've accepted Christ as children. But if you keep listening, you'll find out that that happened because they were in church at a young age. They were being taught. Someone cared enough to explain it over and over and over so that their young heart could absorb that and understand it and then embrace the Lord as their Savior. Now that can happen at a young age if that teaching is there and that exposure is there to the Scriptures. 
But without that, then it may be later. 10, 12, 16, 18, 20, 30, 50. I've heard of people getting saved even on their deathbed. When does that awareness kick in that makes them realize that I'm a helpless case? Without Christ and what He did on the cross, I'll never make it on my own. When that reality sets in, then a person is ready to consider salvation. And they're ready to accept Christ. That's why you've heard the old adage, you know, you have to get them lost before they can get saved. Because they have to understand that that lost condition without the Lord. They have to understand their need of salvation, which is why Jesus came in the first place. And they will never embrace Christ until they do. The Bible says we're to give attendance to doctrine. 1 Timothy chapter 4, you're in verse 13, look down at verse 16. Paul again, writing to Timothy, says this, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So he says to continue in doctrine. What does that mean? It means to live by it. It means to live it. We talked about living what you learn a moment ago, and here is where the Bible tells us that we should do that. In Joshua 1.8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Why, why do we want to spend time meditating about the Bible, thinking about what it says? Why would we do that? Well, the answer is in the verse. It says, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. You, you can't live out the Bible if you don't know what it says. You have to know it enough to recall it in the moment and put it into practice. And that requires frequency and time spent considering and understanding what the Bible says. Hey, a lot of people say when they read the Bible, you know, we're reading the Bible through together as a church family and we have our checklist. But a lot of people, when they first start to read the Bible through like that, they often come back with, uh, you know, a complaint a little bit saying, I don't, I don't really understand it. It's hard for me to read the Bible because I don't understand everything. Yeah, and you probably said that in math class. So the problem is, until you get familiar with something, it's difficult. Until you understand the parts and how they work together, then it starts to flow a little bit better. You start to understand it more, and then you, you can work better with it. I was the same way, especially when I hit algebra, until I understood that every problem has a formula. All you have to do is memorize the steps. If you know what steps to take, you can work out any problem. I didn't always get them right. Sometimes I would get half, they would give me half credit. And I'm like, what? What do you mean half credit? I, I said, look, I, I, I took a whole page working out this problem. And then they would say something like, well, you didn't round the answer at the end. You know, the instructions weren't that specific. 
Sometimes I think they play mind games. But anyway, you get the idea of what I'm saying. And in math class, if you ever get to the point where you, where you can do all of those steps, you can break the problem down and get an answer at the end. It's like magic. And then you say, hey, that was easy. Man, I actually understand this, right? The Bible's the same way. So the more times you read it through, the more you frequent yourself, and by the way, on a daily basis, when you read your portion, if you spend time thinking about what you read, trying to understand it, don't just read the chapter, close the book, and check the box and walk away. You need to stop for a minute and you need to say, okay, can I explain what I just read to someone else? And if you can't explain it to someone else, then you probably need to go back and read it again. When you close your Bible, you should be able to summarize this is what it was about. And make sure you're at least coming away with that. Right? And when you do, you're, what are you doing? You're breaking down that wall. You're becoming a little more familiar, a little more familiar with what the Bible says every time you read it. If you read the Bible that way, I guarantee you, in two or three years, you'll come back and you'll say, oh, this isn't as hard as I thought. It's making a lot more sense now. And then there'll be somebody new behind you saying, man, the Bible's hard to understand. And you'll be one of the ones saying, oh, just stick with it. It gets better. Just hang in there. The good stuff's waiting for you. You just got to spend a little time thinking about it. In Titus chapter 2, verse 10, Paul wrote this, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. We have the, the, the verse up here on the screen, and I want you to notice the word adorn. The word adorn. It's kind of like, it mean, the idea is, it means to wear it, to put it on, to surround yourself with it. How can you adorn the Word of God. How can you adorn the doctrine of God? By living what you've learned and putting it into practice on a daily basis. That's how you adorn the doctrine of God. And he said we should do that in all things. In all things. Look, some, some Christians, I'm just going to... The secret's out, all right? I'm going to tell on them. Some, secrets come to, some Christians come to the Bible and, and they, they do it buffet style. Oh, I like this. Let's turn the page. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I don't care for those. Ooh, here's a good one. Right? You, you, don't, you, you don't pick and choose and just live part of it. Because when you do, people are going to see right through that. And the world is going to call you a hypocrite. You're going to end up being too spiritual for them. You're going to be too, too Christian for the world, and you're going to be too worldly for the church, and you're going to find yourself in a mess. Paul said, adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Live out everything you learn, not just part of it, and you'll find, why, you'll find out why Jesus told Martha that Mary has chosen the good part. Amen? He said, that's the good stuff, and I'm not taking that away from her. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. We read it a moment ago. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He's telling us to continue in doctrine. He's telling us to live by it. 
But the Bible also says in Titus 1.9 that we're to be sound in doctrine. We're to be sound, solid, right, in doctrine. Titus 1.9 says this, "...holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers." Hey, there's a challenging verse right there. Saying you understand it enough to convince others that this is right. Wow, that's, that's, that can be difficult. Now, you can't convince everybody, but, but uh, you can, if you can go toe-to-toe with them because you're knowledgeable, because you're sound in doctrine, that's a good thing. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. I like this right after Titus 1.9 because it, it reminds us that, that we're not just harsh uh, debate uh, candidates. You know, really what we want is we don't want to win debates. We want to win souls. And sometimes you can win the debate, but you can lose the person. That's not the conclusion we want. And that's why we want to be very careful when and how we debate others on the Scriptures. By the way, especially at work, I've got a whole message on that, uh, and, and I think I've preached it, so you know, if not, I'll, I'll, I'll do it one day, but I'm pretty sure I preached it not long ago, so uh, you ought to consider that. Be careful how you get into scriptural debates in the workplace in front of lost people. Because we don't want them to be the casualties of our warfare. right? We want to conduct ourselves in a, in a manner in which we can win the lost. And so I like that Colossians, Paul wrote there that we are to know how to answer every man. Hey, we need to have tact and courtesy. We need to have humility. Even if we have the truth, we need to be humble and courteous. right? The Bible says speaking the truth in love, and we should. And serve people the truth, not beat them with it. Our approach has a lot to do with the outcome. And so let's make sure we have the right one. In John 7, verse 16, Jesus said, it says, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. I, I alluded to this earlier. And then he said in verse 17, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. And, and I just tell you, that's true. Those who really get in the Word of God and try to do God's will, who try to understand what the Bible says, not make the Bible say what they want to say, you know, they're usually pretty good at determining whether somebody's on target with their teaching or not. And Jesus was exactly right about that. The Bible says that we should be sound in doctrine. But in 2 John 10, verses 10 and 11, it says that we should side with doctrine. So what do you do when someone's around and they're not preaching Bible doctrine? Their doctrine is false. And it doesn't align with the Word of God. In 2 John 10 and 11, it says, If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. That's why when we deal with cults, we don't wish them well. 
We don't give them referrals and all those kind of things. It's okay to talk to them and try to witness to them too because they need to hear the gospel. But be careful how hospitable you are. Romans 16 verse 17 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. And by the way, here's a good verse right here to remember when people want to bring up Matthew 7, 1. Judge not, that ye be not judged. Remember, a few weeks ago, we dealt with that on Wednesday night, and we said that's not the message Jesus was teaching in Matthew 7. You can't stop with verse 1. You have to go all the way to verse 5. Jesus wasn't saying don't judge. He was saying don't be a hypocrite. That was the message. He said, remember, take the the moat out of your eye before you deal with your neighbor's eye. Get yourself right first. Then you can help others. So we find here a responsibility in Romans chapter 16. When someone's wrong in their doctrine, what are we to do? We're to separate ourselves. In order to do that, you, you have to identify, you have to put that label on that their doctrine is wrong. That's, a, that's, hey, let's just say it like it is. That's judging. Yes. And you have to judge. It is your responsibility before God to know when someone's teaching you good doctrine or false doctrine. You are supposed to judge that. And Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. He gave you some things to look for. And you have to identify that. When they're, when they're teaching false doctrine, what do you do? The Bible says you should separate yourself. It says avoid them. Not sit in their churches and put your tithe in their offering plates. Right? So we need to understand our responsibility for God. And then lastly, let me say, what do we do with doctrine? The Bible says we're to honor those who preach it. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. The Bible says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. So that's telling us we're to honor those who preach Bible doctrine. Isaiah 28, 9 and 10, I read a moment ago. It tells us that doctrine should be taught. The Bible says there, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, for precept must be upon precept. Line upon line, here a little, there a little. Uh, doctrine is to be taught. And then 2 Timothy 4.2 tells us that doctrine is to be preached. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Doctrine is to be preached. Now, we, we make those points because the Bible's clear about that. Some people would have us to believe that we, we shouldn't include doctrine in our teaching and in our preaching. We just need to leave that out. Then what are you preaching? What are you teaching? If you leave doctrine out of it, you're just pulling sugar sticks out all the time. That's what we call them. Nice little, you know, sermons devotionals. It's all you got without doctrine. If you don't put Bible teaching in there, you got a weak mixture. The Bible says we're to honor those who preach doctrine. 
So as we wind this up today, let's understand, what what does God want us to do with the Bible? Well, God wants us to study Bible doctrine. He wants us to give attendance to it, to show up and learn it, to understand what the Bible teaches. God wants us to believe Bible doctrine. Isn't that right? He he wants us to live it out in our own lives. Live what you learn so that your manner of life lines up with the doctrine that you espouse. What does God want? God wants us to practice Bible doctrine and associate with those who do. God wants our doctrine to guide our alliances. And you and I should make sure that we are that we're living by these guidelines in our own life. And when we do, understand this, that what you're actually doing is making the Bible the centerpiece. The Word of God is the foundation on which you are building your life. And what did Jesus say? He said, let me tell you. He said, the man that hears these sayings of mine and does them, he said, I will liken him to the man that built his house on a rock. And remember what happened? The rains and the floods and all that came, but the house stood firm. Hey, you want to have a strong life? You want to have a solid life? You you want to withstand the storms of life? Then build your life on the Word of God and you'll be amazed what God will do with you and how He will use you and what He will bring you through. Jesus said, the man that hears these words and doesn't do them, He said, he's like the guy that built his house on the sand. You know what happened to his house when the storms came. And they're going to come. By the way, did you notice the storms come on both the believer and the unbeliever? But Jesus said, when the storms hit his house, it fell flat. I don't know about you, but when I hear that story, I see faces and names of real people that I know who just have not, for whatever reason, one reason or another, they've not built their life on the Word of God. It saddens my heart, to be honest. They're not bad people. I love some of those people. But I can't wish them into the Word. All I can do is observe And I have to say, Jesus was right. And I want them to have a strong life, but it won't be until they build it on the Word of God. So that's our response today. Let's make sure that you and I are building on the rock of the Word of God, and as we build our life from there, it'll be strong, it'll be solid, because He will be with us. That's what God wants you to understand about Bible doctrine. Let's use it to build the kind of Christian life that gives honor and glorifies God in all that we do. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, how we love you today and how we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the teachings of Scripture, how they give wisdom and understanding along the paths of life. Lord, we just thank you for the understanding you've given, for the direction you've provided in your word. We thank you for giving us in truth the word of God. We ask you now to help us embrace it, help us learn it, help us live it. In Jesus' name we ask.
Amen.